We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. We're talking about the elite running backs and reacting to the trades of the last week on this edition of Road of His Overtime. Now let's kick it off. Hello everyone, welcome back to Road of His Overtime on Road of His Radio, brought to you by MyBookie. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. I'm joined once again by my co-host, the co-owner of Road of His Radio, Mr. Sean Siegel. Sean, we have seven weeks in the book. The season is flying in at an incredible pace. Uh, how was your week seven? Uh, did you have a solid week or was it a, an up and down week? I was kind of 50% across the board. Yeah, definitely mixed. There there were some good good results and, and some frustrating ones. Most of the key leagues were positive. I was able to move to six and one with my Patrick Mahomes main event team and and that's been a a fun team to follow every monday night uh, it seems like i'm rooting for certain players to not get it going and it's sort of an edge of the seat kind of thing i had uh, tevin coleman going obviously in a number of leagues he's someone we have promoted as a, a top zero running back candidate and he got him in some some best ball formats we're obviously just always in and then with Devonte freeman down again this week and obviously out for the season there were questions about how he and ito smith would fit there and and luckily for me he was the guy i needed uh rooting against matt ryan hooper and ito smith so Coleman is the guy with those splash plays. 
he was able to execute that in the fourth quarter to get me a two-point win in, in one of the leagues hopefully he did for our listeners as well and i, I was hoping to fight off a 60-point game from that trifecta of falcons players and did that even though matt ryan was again very effective uh, finishing off the game with a crazy streak of passes in a row so it was a fun week and and every week seems to go down to the last five minutes of monday night football which which is how it should be yeah and uh monday night football that was a tough one for me i had one league where i was going up against obj and uh needed to to get him to, to hold out it was four points up until he caught that last touchdown so lost that one by oh. uh, three points so it was a, a, t- a tough one to take you know when you, you were hoping Eli would get in on one of those two sneaks yeah so you're, you're holding out hope you're hoping to get uh you know just go somewhere else or don't get the touchdown just praying but then the inevitable happens or just catches you but that's the way it goes sometimes sometimes you get that there uh buzz of the of the win from that perspective then other times it doesn't go but certainly a fun week and i have to say i've, I've really been enjoying the games and uh the, the offense i know a lot of people are talking about the defensive penalties or about uh much at the moment but the offensive play has been uh, very very interesting and i have to say with some of the younger coordinators that are in the league at the moment it is definitely bringing a fresh approach to some of those offenses and then of course with younger players like patrick mahomes uh, with andy reed it's uh, it's been exciting to watch those things develop so certainly very interesting week seven so we're going to look back a little bit at week seven possibly even look back a little bit before that and look ahead to the rest of the season so let's do that let's get into the second quarter So, Sean, we jump in here and we start looking uh, the first one up this week. We're going to take a little bit of look at Alvin Kamara and the Saints in terms of the run game. The Saints and, you know, Alvin Kamara was obviously off to a really hot start, pretty much almost a record pace at the start of the season. Uh, Then, obviously, Mark Ingram was suspended. He has come back over the last couple of games and uh, he's kind of adding quite considerably into uh, Alvin Kamara's workload. So, We've seen um, a big downtick in terms of Kamara's usage. We've seen even a little bit of a downtick in terms of Michael Thomas's usage. But obviously, this past week, part of that likely down to facing the Baltimore Ravens, who I thought in terms of the overall win, the Saints uh, pulled one out really, really well. It, was, it wasn't an easy victory. But in any case, we always talk about the split with that team on the road, uh, and they got the job done uh, against the Baltimore Ravens. But what is your thoughts when we look here at the Saints and, and how those splits have uh, separated obviously uh, we have that there you know four games without without Ingram now have two games back and in terms of PPR points there's almost a 20 point difference uh, in and out of those splits for what Kamara has averaged in those games this was an interesting game because there was so much going on you have the return of Mark Ingram but you also have a road game which you know tends to get Uh, really emphasized with a Drew Brees-led Saints team. You mentioned the splits there. Also a game against an elite Baltimore defense. And so it's not just one thing we're really looking at here, and we have to take all of those things into consideration. But it was frustrating, I think, for fantasy owners of Saints players to see that first drive. Now, I was fortunate enough to be rooting against most of the Saints players this week, including Michael Thomas. That first drive where they had a 20-play drive, uh, humorously only gained 64 yards but killed 10 minutes of clock uh, that was a good drive for me not a good drive for owners of people like Kamara and michael thomas certainly if you have traquan smith and you need some of those splash plays then you're also not looking for almost an entire quarter to go away there and, <laughs> and it wasn't just the drive itself but it was how the drive happened which you know partly you can guess how the drive happened based on it being a 20 play drive 64 yards 10 minutes no points and 
that was that of these 20 plays, you've got eight, right, that were running plays for two yards or less. And so I think the argument here would be that the Saints had a game plan that they wanted to execute on the road against Baltimore, that they realized Baltimore was a different animal than some of these other teams they've gone up against. Even if you take that into consideration, even if that's your argument, those running plays are not good plays, right? Though those are wasted plays for you, and it puts you in a lot of difficult down and distance situations. Now, you can say that, okay, we're keeping the third downs manageable, we're keeping the fourth downs manageable, but what you're also doing is creating a dynamic where you're going to face third downs and going to face fourth downs. So of those 20 plays, nine of them actually are either third or fourth downs. Now they went for it four times on the drive. That makes sense when you have short fourth downs and when you have an elite offense, but still, this is not the drive that you're looking for either as a reality fan of the saints or as a fantasy owner. And you mentioned some of the splits that come out here where Camara has 32 points over the first four games, only 11 coming back. Now, the first game, they went in a blowout, kind of fluky plays. You have some of those long scores from Traquan, and that shifts the, the game script in kind of a funny fashion. But the second game is a real concern because we talked all season. What's our number one thing is that you want to replace those low-value running plays to the running back obviously, with higher value passing plays, again, to the running back. And to see Kamara carry 17 times in this game and only catch two passes, I think maybe that's your biggest concern. I, I agree there as well. And you mentioned the, that drive and the third and fourth down conversion. So it's kind of almost the game plan for the Saints, and this was a little bit more like you mentioned to just kind of try and stay in short short uh, yardage situations on third and fourth down it was a very dink and dunk or plotting attempt uh, by the Saints I think it was a case of going up against this defense they had to really change things up so I guess you know from a, an NFL perspective they won't really care they they edged out the win but it was it was a tough one talking about long drives uh, I, I watched that London game the early game with Marcus Mariota and he, the first half interception he threw in the red zone. Uh, I believe it was a, a drive that lasted over nine minutes for the, for the uh, the Titans in that one that ended with the, the red zone interception. So long drives were a little bit of a, a theme of the week. But when we looked in at a, another player who's, uh, you know, I, I've been talking up Melvin Garden and he, he didn't play this past week, obviously, with the injury. Uh, but when we look at somebody who has, like him, impressed me, uh, this season in the passing game and he hadn't really impressed me too much over the first couple of weeks and that is Kareem Hunt uh, over the last uh, couple of weeks he's really stepped up in terms of the passing game uh, he scored uh, two touchdowns in week three uh, didn't really uh, do a lot in the passing game at that point he just had uh, he just had five total receiving yards in fact but over the last month he's added uh, 14 catches 200 receiving yards and really looked like he's uh, stepping into that you know top tier of pass catching running back uh, a big game against the Patriots uh, two weeks ago and then a big big game against the the uh, Bengals this past week and averaged more than five and a half yards per carry uh, scored two of his three touchdowns through the air so I was very impressed in particular the one on the sideline where it was only a short pass uh, by Mahomes but uh, very very athletic work to get his feet down and bounds and get into the end zone I was very impressed with that one overall your thoughts obviously uh, your impartial unbiased thoughts of the, the Kansas City Chiefs and we're not talking at all about Mahomes this week so uh, let's keep it to Kareem Hunt <laughs> right the completely unbiased <laughs> yeah you mentioned that week three game uh, where we had the two touchdowns asking if it's a good time to buy or sell because at that point he only had five receiving yards which is crazy 
One of the reasons why we argued for Hunt as someone you should really reach for this season is because of how Andy Reid uses running backs in the passing game. And, you know, you saw this big explosion from the Chiefs to start the season, but Hunt was not involved as a receiver, which you just so desperately need to be to be one of those very top running backs in this day and age. But now that is completely and totally changed over the last several weeks. So even more than this game where Hunt scored a bunch of touchdowns again and had a huge game carrying his fantasy owners, the key, I think, and the reason to be excited rest of season is because he's now involved in the passing game. So you had those first three games, 12 points per game over the last four, over 27. But also with that, through those first three games, he was on a pace for you know barely 30 receiving yards on the season. Over the last four, that pace, now again, that's not the full season pace, but just the last four games pace, if you look just at that for, for a full season, would be almost 900, right? And so the difference there is all the difference in the world. And that's why I think that you want Hunt, especially because as we've seen with someone like a Todd Gurley, now Hunt is, is not quite to that level, either as a fantasy player or just simply as an athlete. However, when you have this kind of offense, you're going to have those goal line chances you know the touchdowns are going to come if you now put the receiving yards in there you know i i think you can start to make an argument for him as early as the number two back i mean i'm not sure anyone other than Gurley is clearly ahead of him at this point so your question rest of season seeing where things are going do you now prefer alvin Kamara or kareem hunt the, the part that really stands out to me when I look between the two of them and uh, we kind of touched on a pre-show was the fact that kind of the first three weeks of the season and I had had on it with Kamara a moment ago he was kind of almost on a historic pace in terms of receptions to a running back uh, and obviously that was hugely beneficial to his PPR points and his points in general with the touchdowns he was putting up when you look at the opposite with Hunt and you know not really producing as much as we were expecting from him as you mentioned in terms of uh you know that that, that three game split but what i think moving forward that makes hunt the one that i would like to have rather than kamara is the backfield is not really split i know spencer ware is there and i have liked spencer ware as a player uh for quite some time but you know hunt is the lead dog in this backfield there's no doubt about it it's going to be cream hunt until cream hunt is injured and can't play anymore so looking forward i think we're going to see mark ingram be involved whether it's for the same percentage of snaps that he is at the moment or if it, it tends to be for a little bit less and uh, Kamara gets uh, a little bit more opportunity I think in my opinion it's a safe uh, prediction to make that Hunt will lead this in terms of backfield share uh, a lot safer than it is with Kamara and with the explosion of, of this offense and how good they have been uh, I just expect it to, to continue as it is and I know some weeks it's going to be a case where it's Tyreek Hill there's some weeks it's going to be a case where it's Travis Kelsey but I think there's always going to be enough there for Hunt and I think they've really started to trust trust him in the passing game so i think that's where i'd be going you mentioned something too about the the short touchdowns and you know end zone kind of plunges the the advantage that they have there as well is if you have somebody like kelsey or you have somebody like hell obviously they're going to get targets down the field and targets in the end zone but what you see a lot of times with a player like tyree killer or travis kelsey there's quite a lot over a season span you'll see a lot of holding penalties in the end zone and that obviously can boost running back values but again all that work in kansas city i think is going the way of cream hunt so it would be hunt and you you touched on a point if you were looking to 2019 uh, in terms of the the draft uh, i think i think i would definitely agree with you there uh, you know see how the season goes the rest of the way i think if you're looking at running backs melvin garden could possibly play himself into that place too i would probably have them pretty close and we'll see how zeke and the, the rest of the guys do down the stretch but I think uh, I think at the moment Gurley would be the the absolute number one overall 
Uh, and I think Hunt would certainly be in close proximity to that uh, at this exact point in time if we're projecting forward. Are you in the same boat as Hunt the way that you would like to go? Or uh, are you still... Uh, I'm still obviously very interested in Alvin Kamara the rest of the season, but out of the two, if I had to pick one, it, it would be Hunt. Yeah, we have people like Le'Veon Bell who will hopefully get back in the mix. We also talked a little bit about Ezekiel Elliott and David Johnson and how their seasons are going. Week 7 saw another example of how these offenses that lack creativity and just lack red zone attempts and goal line attempts because they don't move the ball how much damage that can do even to the very top running back so you know looking at the last three weeks for Elliott for Johnson we have Elliott down even to 13 points per game and that's interesting because he's actually had his expected points so his rushing expected points and his receiving expected points combined jump a little bit over that time period and yet his actual scoring has fallen we're we're in a position now where over these last three weeks and obviously with Kamara that includes a buy but we're looking at 19 expected points a game for Elliott we're looking at 17 for Hunt 17 and a half for Johnson and all the way down to just about 12 for Kamara and then with the efficiency levels Kamara has not exploded over the last couple like he was before and with hunt we have these huge numbers but you've got this double gap almost now between hunt and then the rest of that group and while i would expect camara to jump back up elliot and johnson really have their work cut out for them because even with those very appealing numbers the volume numbers which we can translate into fantasy points in that way it's just so difficult to make all of those pay off without being in a in a better offense now david johnson hopefully the changes at coordinator will make a difference there and for both guys they have the luxury of knowing that if there's going to be a goal line carry it will almost certainly go to them so even if they only have one per game you know that's that's going to get to them they are so good that they're probably more likely to convert that than most running backs so you obviously have that floor but in terms of the upside i think that we're starting to move away from those players and that was i think the argument at the beginning of the season as well i was making it a lot more for elliot than for johnson certainly both players it has been a big factor so far would you prefer hunt and camara over those guys if you're making an in-season redraft trade do you like hunt and camara better I would definitely go the the hunting Kamara role, and then the other one, David Johnson, is putting up sufficient points at the moment, but he's not putting up the points that we were hoping to get uh, preseason. And I, I think it's a case where it's rest of season is not really ever going to peak in terms of what we're seeing with his usage, and then with that offense having those struggles. The one that I think is interesting is Ezekiel Elliott. I think you know again I mentioned with the backfield split for Kareem Hunt, and we've seen it with. Uh, James Conner you know we've seen it with uh, uh, Le'Veon Bell in the past having that huge you know bulk of the work really does benefit and we've seen Elliot this season as well get used in the passing game uh, more so we might touch on the Cowboys in a little bit later but Elliot is somebody who I'd be interested in but if I was ranking them I would be going with uh, to be honest if I was going with it I may actually go Hunt then Elliot then Kamara um, I may I may slip him in there just because of that uh, workload that he's going to receive uh, as as the lead dog in the offense. I would still like Kamara there, but again, the biggest concern with Mark Ingram is that he functions as a drag on the entire offense. So his touches don't just come out of rushing touches from Kamara, but they end up coming out of targets that would go to Michael Thomas, targets that would go to Kamara, and then you know total plays for the game with those running plays sucking up a little bit more clock. So he certainly is a big concern. I was hoping with how dynamic their offense was 
without him that they would learn a little bit of a lesson from that. But certainly they have won those two games. If you have to rely on the greatest field goal kicker in NFL history, missing an extra point to do that, I think that's a red flag for you. But certainly I expect them to continue on that trajectory. So this week again, the show is brought to you by my bookie, and obviously you're watching the games. They are fun, they are entertaining. I've touched on this in a couple of shows. Maybe the teams are now out of playoff contention. Hopefully not. Hopefully they're like Sean's teams, and they're all at six and one or seven and zero. Oh. But with uh, my bookie, you can obviously have a little bit of fun. And an interesting part with my bookie this season is the fantasy props. So there's a lot of things there that you can get involved in. Whether it's something from a fantasy angle, you think a player can uh, do on a weekly basis, you can check out all those. Whether you're an expert or a rookie, you should be betting at my bookie. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a lot or bet a little and win a lot, my bookie is just the spot for you. And I guess I said guy, maybe it's a gal out there as well. We we don't discriminate. So there's a lot of different options over there. Like I mentioned, there's parlays, there's even the baseball, the hockey, the primetime fights, anything that you want to bet on, you can do at my bookie. If you're on the sidelines, now is the time to get in the game. There is no better time. My bookie will still match your first deposit dollar for dollar if you join now. And that there is with the promo code RotoViz. Log in to MyBookie right now, double the money with that code RotoViz, and you'll get your first deposit match 100%. That is promo code RotoViz. You play, you win, you get paid. So, Sean, let's get into that. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy Decoy by Duckhorn, elevate your occasion. Third quarter and a player that, uh, you know, I think, uh, I don't think there was anyone probably happier uh, out, <laughs> out there. Uh, and I touched on this on Road of His Live this past week than yourself when the news probably dropped off Carlos Hyde getting traded from the Browns to the Jaguars. Obviously, we've touched a couple of weeks on uh, Nick Chubb in terms of his, uh, you know, usage and what he should be getting used as. And you've used, I think you might even have trademarked the phrase at this point, that uh, he looked like he got shot out of a cannon. So what was your thoughts uh, after the trade off Carlos Hyde, your expectations for Nick Chubb, and then did Chubb live up to those expectations this past week? Looked good. I This seemed pretty inevitable. I really thought that even though there were no whispers, at least whispers that I heard of to this effect, uh, possibly some folks with their ears even closer to the ground uh, were, would, would have been more aware. But it, it seemed like Philadelphia might be a possible destination there. Obviously, they were connected to LaShawn McCoy. It seemed like Hyde might be easier and a, and a better fit in some ways. But certainly moving out of Cleveland seemed inevitable. So it was very exciting that it happened when it did. You know, I'd, I'd like to remind 
listeners that, you know, some of these things were forecast by some of our guys like Blair Andrews, who really wrote about these kinds of developments all summer in the wrong read and, and talked before the season about Nick Chubb being one of those guys, you know, you had to have in terms of where he was being drafted, what his profile was and what running backs of that profile have done in the past as rookies and how they've contributed to your team, possibly as your running back team. But regardless of what draft strategy you used, you can use an extra big time running back to really help carry you through these bye weeks. So you know, this was exciting. And yeah, I, at the beginning, I think there were some situations where you wanted more. You thought, well, you know, maybe this will flame out and we'll, we'll get the, the Nick Chubb week, as, as Hassan likes to call it, in, and it won't be there. But then the second half was exciting. They're obviously not identical players, right? Adrian Peterson, more top-end speed. I think Nick Chubb, you could argue, has even better one-step uh, lateral explosiveness which you know in a back that size is incredibly impressive and we're talking about the athleticism we're talking about big guys with those two players and he continued to anytime he had the slightest bit of a hole he was exploding through it and then we saw in the second half those touchdown opportunities so he scored once he was stopped at the one foot line once and unfortunately they went with a quarterback sneak um i think that hopefully they will give it to him again in that situation. And then we also saw Jarvis Landry make a spectacular play where he caught a ball at the one and managed to get across. If he's touchdown at the one foot line, you know, that's another touchdown. So even within this bad offense, you have a scenario where you could have easily seen three Nick Chubb touchdowns in this game. And with the workload that he's getting uh, He's, he's in that running back one tier. Now, he's not toward the top of it like some of these guys that we've talked about, but he's on the, the bottom end of that already. I know that you played Duke Johnson in some games, and that made total sense. It seemed like they would get him more involved, that Carlos Hyde's departure was uh, in some ways predicated on the huge game that, that Duke Johnson had had the previous week. Uh, that did not work quite as well, did it? No, that certainly didn't work quite as well. And obviously, you mentioned the the game the week before was a game where he pretty much had the the largest uh, usage that he had all season, and it had been upticking for two weeks. But certainly, going into a game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who have really struggled in terms of uh, against the pass, I thought there would be an opportunity there for it. But it obviously didn't produce, and that that hurt me a lot in uh, quite a few of my leagues this week. But uh, when you're on it as well, I have to say that 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 play by Landry was a, a serious heads up play in terms of getting the ball into the end zone on that one but like you mentioned if it had been touched down at the one uh, it would have been another opportunity for Chubb but uh, while I do like Johnson uh, I expect it to be uh, you know somewhat of something around a, a 60 uh, kind of 60 40 split uh, at, at best for Johnson moving forward uh, I've been really impressed with Chubb all season coming in as a rookie I thought um, having a hide there in front of him was a hindrance uh, I thought that he would probably as the season went on kind of edge ahead and get more opportunities that didn't look like it was going to happen in the way that they were using him but uh, it's very positive now to see that uh, Hyde is out of town and it gives Chubb that opportunity moving forward I think we're going to see a lot of a lot of positive things with him the rest of the season and I think he will edge himself like you mentioned maybe not all the way up into that top tier but I think you know I'd be surprised if we don't see him as something of a, a, a lit secondary third round pick at least uh, come this time next year so he's somebody very very interesting to see to see what happens with him over the rest of the season i'm excited to see that opportunity not so much excited about duke johnson after what happened uh, what happened this past weekend 
Well, what about Hugh Jackson's comments that he might need to take over play calling or be more involved in play calling? Is it possible that directly goes to the Duke Johnson issue? Because when Jackson was more involved in the offense before Todd Haley's arrival, I mean, he made Duke Johnson into a weekly must start for your fantasy team and was doing some of the things that we're now seeing from, you know, guys like Tariq Cohen, guys like James White. And again, we talk about it every week. That's, that's huge for NFL offenses. Is it possible that that actually will be something that is a big em- emphasis now after, again, they sort of blew a game that they, they had in their clutches here as a duke johnson owner i sure i sure hope so but uh you know when it comes to hugh jackson there's not a whole lot that i'm holding in, in positive light at the moment i think this team would be you know better off at the end of the season if they if they part ways and go with a you know a new vision because i think it's probably played out with his, his time in cleveland uh, while you mentioned what the usage the previous usage certainly was a lot positive and i believe it was just this past off season that they give uh, johnson the new contract and signed him uh, for three years so it, it, it is a surprise in terms of the way it's just kind of fallen flat in its face because over the first couple of seasons and I know Theo Reddick hasn't been involved at all this year but Johnson was that kind of player that you mentioned like Terry Cohen who you could you could he was kind of like Duke Johnson wasn't scoring as many touchdowns as somebody like a James White but he was in a similar role in terms of getting usage in the passing game and you could always kind of count on that there wasn't going to be a huge amount done in the run game but literally this season up until two weeks ago we uh, you know he wasn't involved in any kind of fashion at all so it could lead to a possibility sean that we would see more usage from him but it's one of those ones now at this point it's almost uh, you know you fooled me once <laughs> uh, i'll just kind of wait until i see more so i think it's uh, it's chilver bust at the moment with the, the run game here uh, in cleveland yeah well i'm not cutting him yet but certainly not plugging him into any lineups either yeah that's the way i feel somebody i know that you've talked a lot about uh, so far this season we talked about him quite a bit in the off season that's carry on johnson um uh, you know i've been highly highly impressed with him uh you know we talked about chubb not getting the opportunity well, we're seeing johnson get slight opportunities but not the full uh chunk that i think that he deserves uh, i thought that he, he looked very good again in this and uh you know over the over the first uh, seven weeks of the season there's no doubt that he is the best running back on this team uh, theoretic has been on the shelf so that obviously boosted up the opportunities we thought for carry on johnson this week but we still see legarrett blunt uh, getting the touches we still see him getting in the end zone uh, as we move forward here what what do you expect again it's hard to always quantify how the usage is going to go but you'd imagine at some point that they're, they're going to turn it over to to carry on johnson to give him a, a crack at having the, the lead role in this offense well, you really wanted this game without Theoretic to be a game like almost all Lions games where they trail late and then they have to make this fourth quarter flourish or this fourth quarter charge to try and get back in it and features a bunch of uh, passes, obviously, and some of those going off to the running back. But unfortunately, Carrion Johnson was so good that he helped lead the team to a lead, which had the the other result of not getting him nearly as many opportunities in the receiving game but no he looked fantastic he starts the game off with a 24 yard run a few drives later he has a 71 yard sprint and and because it started uh, so deep in their own territory that was not a touchdown and and that drive ended the way you might expect where they get immediately after that an eight yard catch from marvin jones and then two consecutive legarrette blunt carries do not manage to pick up two total yards, and so they have to kick a field goal. But this, this in the end, was not even the best game to criticize Blunt, as he did 
go a 10 for 50 and score that touchdown but really the thing we're looking for here uh, is just for johnson to get a few of those goal line carries because uh, he has put this offense on his back recently and and looks like an absolute star yeah, it was a, a kind of a bizarre game as well that uh, Roberts caught two touchdowns. Uh, I had a lot of Kenny Gold in DFS, and it was a, just a strange game overall from a couple of different perspectives. But uh, no, Carry On Johnson is definitely uh, looks to be aver- looks to be kind of just as advertised, or possibly even more. I know we were probably higher on him than some other people uh, coming into the season, but definitely, definitely positive sign. So. <laughs> So, Sean, the next one up is Ronald Jones, somebody who was a healthy scratch for the first two weeks, which obviously coming into the NFL isn't something that you want to see from a player. It's something that's quite unique that you don't pretty much see uh, on any occasion, like uh, healthy scratches coming out of the draft with that draft stock uh, so early in the season. So uh, he carried the ball uh, six times for 13 yards uh, this past week. So obviously nothing major there. Um, quite poor overall but he did manage to get himself in for a touchdown so even though Peyton Barber you know led the way in terms of the, the running back usage he did uh, outscore Barber um, and obviously I mentioned the healthy scratches it has to be considered a positive side when you see him getting into the end zone uh, moving forward rest of the way uh, is Jones somebody who you think's worth having in those season-long leagues yeah and so he's the other guy who was mentioned in blair's article about those running backs to target carry on had been a player who was a target before he got too expensive so these guys are are all really starting to do what we would expect and jones i think is the next one now i mentioned in the forums that i thought jones could be about to explode uh in response to some questions about um trade possibilities and now now that he's not no longer a scratch right and he actually is out there on the field occasionally we're starting to see some of these trade offers come back in where you know maybe there are two headline players switching hands because of team need and then someone is trying to get jones as the throw into that to kind of bridge one of these small gaps and that makes perfect sense and i think you should try and do that if you have to give up jones that would be where you know I'm a little bit more concerned at this point because of that blow up potential. So had a few questions as to why I think that would be the case. The first thing is just his overall profile still is so good and it's still such a much larger sample than what we've seen from him at the NFL level. But then just drilling down to some of those things that you mentioned, some of the things that happened this week, right? He played on a key fourth down and was a decoy on that play. He's starting to look like someone they want to use as a receiving back which is key i think both because again always we want that receiving potential but then because this was one of the potential red flags for him where he didn't necessarily have this huge track record as a receiver and the team had been down on him in that in that role but their actual moves suggest something sort of different in that they've used him on some passes more down the field with uh, you contrast that to Um, the way that Ezekiel Elliott is used or even say this year's David Johnson versus past year's David Johnson. And you can see why, you know, that actually might be something that makes quite a bit of difference. You mentioned the goal line carry, which he converted. And now we also have the situation where Peyton Barber may have uh, some type of injury at the time we're recording. Nothing has been announced about that. And my guess would be that it's something mild, but even the slightest door opening right here, I think is key. And Hassan, who keeps me up to date on every um, 
you know, slightest move in the Ronald Jones Chronicles was pointing out that the coaches are talking up his pass blocking now, talking up his ability as a receiver. And, and this, you know, would seem kind of absurd in its own way that we would be worrying much about that for someone who was such an amazing college player, a high draft pick, all of those kinds of things. But it obviously does matter because this shows a shift in terms of what the coaching staff is willing to uh, not just say about him, but but how they're trying to prepare the media, trying to prepare fans. And one of the things, I mean, my conspiracy theory to an extent is that Jones is someone who's caught in the middle a little bit in terms of the power struggle that's going on in Tampa Bay. And by the fact that the coaches have shifted their rhetoric on Jones, I think it may give us a window into um, either number one, just straightforwardly what they think, or number two, what they plan to do based on things that are happening behind the scenes. So either way you look at it, that has to be positive for Jones. Yeah, and hopefully, obviously, you know, the draft stock that was put into and for the, the lack over the first two weeks, which the first week was a surprise. The second week then, it just looked like uh, there was the you know it was a, it looked like there was no real bright side but it, it's obviously starting to, to pick up with them getting on the field and i think uh you know it could be one that we look back on and you know want remember remember those first two weeks when he was inactive uh and uh, you know it, it can all change very very quickly so uh let's see what happens the rest of the way but sean we're getting closer to the end let's jump to overtime well overtime we start with an article. Uh, we have the great privilege of having an orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Jeffrey Budoff, who writes for us and provides some great insight into player injuries, insight that the rest of us, no matter how much we read from different sources and, and you know, rumors that are coming out, what teams are saying, insight we just can't have. And so I would encourage listeners to go to the site to read that article and kind of keep up with his injury updates which have been very helpful for me on some people like Andrew Luck some people like Deontay Foreman those kinds of guys his article this week talks about Albert Wilson Wilson obviously former Chiefs player moves to the Dolphins has that huge blow-up game um, somewhat surprisingly with Brock Osweiler last week and then in a very very unfortunate development suffers a right hip subluxation in week seven so basically a right hip injury but dr budoff goes into detail with that also talks about the uh, injury to his labrum so what that means from a fantasy perspective and we're starting to get some reports uh, that he will be put on ir which also is something that dr budoff reported was likely Uh, without albert wilson we now are really getting down to the dregs with the Dolphins, uh, especially since Kenny Stills is not 100% either and may be questionable for this week. So that leaves us with Danny Amendola, who had a very nice game in week seven, and Devontae Parker, who has been in the midst of a feud with the Dolphins and is trying to avoid being really an epic bust. Colm, who do you like at this point, uh, both in the short term and the long term on this offense? Would you own either Amendola or Parker uh, it's really well uh, you know if, if you're asking me right now uh, if I had to pick one of them it would be Amendola because um, you know Devontae Parker at this point is 
like you mentioned as, as close to an epic bust as you probably can have uh you know last week there was the issues with his uh, agent talking out about the team and uh, who knows maybe we'll see him be uh, traded out of town uh, here over the next couple of couple of days but it's um just it's a really questionable situation still only 25 years old if you know if you're looking dynasty wise i would still take the upside on uh parker but if you're looking at you know redraft or season long uh, there's no doubt if i had to pick one of them it would be danny amandola uh you know over the last two weeks while you know it's been with brock osweiler on both occasions he has eight receptions six receptions uh, and 59 yards and uh, then 80, 84 yards so he's getting you know particularly in ppr leagues getting the targets um so I, that's the reason i'd be looking to go in that direction i just think at the moment there, there's no way you can trust Devontae parker uh kenny stills is out obviously possibly out this week with the injury uh, and then you know that leaves really really nothing there you have Danny Amendola you have Devontae Parker if he if he plays and then you have uh, Jakeem Grant uh, so you really are down to the limited bare bones um, and I think it'll be interesting to see rest of season how somebody like a, a Mike Gesicki goes maybe he'll get uh, more targets coming in his way but I think it probably uh, feeds good uh, you know leads towards more work for the running backs and I think that helps Kenyon Drake uh, but I think the Dolphins are in big trouble at wide receivers. Possible we could see them pick up uh, some free agents here to try and uh, thicken it out. But I, I would go to Amendola out of those two uh, over Parker and, and season long. What would you be doing in that situation? Well, I think it's a good point that you made there that this offense now almost has to start to look like what we saw from the Chicago Bears this last week, where Cohen and Trey Burton combined for 23 targets. The Dolphins probably don't have quite that much talent, certainly. In, from Gasicki don't have as much experience so the Drake Gasicki combination doesn't rise to that level in terms of what they bring to the table but it may have to rise to that level in terms of the volume going forward and Amendola yes he would be the guy uh, I've been holding him in a couple of deep dynasty leagues and during the bi-week time period here he might get a chance to see the field so we wanted to finish with a player who I know is near and dear to your heart and who might finally be freed. So we have the big Amari Cooper trade. He goes from a collapsing and rebuilding, although it's hard to really feel like what the Raiders are doing um, has a rebuilding element. It's more just setting charges and (laughs) that they have Um, with them going from, the Raiders to a Dallas Cowboys team that has plenty of questions of its own. Is Dak Prescott a legitimate NFL starter? Uh, Can this offense work when you have maybe a Michael Gallup as your number one receiver? Now they bring in Amari Cooper, who perhaps has more questions than any potentially top wide receiver in the NFL. Fantastic college player, super early draft pick, two 1,000 yard seasons to start his career. And then it just has been a ghost. I mean, he he doesn't get volume, and when he gets volume, he does not look good. So now that he's with the Cowboys, what can we expect? You know, it's one of those ones where it, it can't get much worse at this point, can it? And you, you mentioned setting charges. What reminded me of is uh, the scene in, in Batman the Dark Knight where the Joker's walking out of the hospital and uh, blows up the hospital. Uh, it seems a bit like that in Oakland at the minute. Uh, just everything outside of Derek Carr, everyone else is getting shipped out of town. So Marty Cooper got the move to the Cowboys. I think it, it's actually a smart move by the Cowboys. The first round pick may... Uh, be a little rich but the thing that you have to look at is outside of him having to to likely sign a contract after next season or during next season uh, i think it's a safe move for them Uh, if you're looking at 
the draft picks coming out next year for a first round pick uh you know i think i would rather marty cooper than a lot of the the players that are coming out so if you look at it as well you mentioned you know he had two 1000 yard seasons uh, he's still only 24 years old turned 24 in june and he is a player who i did hype up in the uh, off season i did mention on the bold predictions version of the show that i thought he could be the wide receiver one on the season obviously unless something miraculous happens that is a long long way and has turned into a bit of a pipe dream but uh, when we look at what he could do i think he's going to help uh, it's either going to be a case where he's going to see one-on-one coverage on the outside or else Zeke Elliott's going to see uh, less in the box in terms of uh, you know defenders up there trying to stop the run so I think it's going to help the offense from that perspective because really all as they have at the moment is Cole Beasley I know Mike Gallup is uh, in there as well but you know he's developing as a rookie so I think it's a move that we could see in a couple of weeks that really helps I think it puts a lot of pressure on Dak Prescott too because his development hasn't been as uh, positive as we would have thought after his first year in the league, but he has had a, a little bit of an uptick over the last three weeks. But the thing that of interest is, like, Amari Cooper's a really hard player to figure out. He, week one, one reception, nine yards. Week two, 10 receptions, 116 yards. Week three, two receptions, 17 yards. Week uh, four, eight receptions, 128 yards. Week five, one reception, 10 yards. And la- uh, the last game he played against the Seahawks went off with a concussion. So no receptions, no yards. So it's really just like, the variance is just incredible if we could get some consistency i think we could see him uh you know get back uh, you know I, i'm a long way from throwing in the towel on cooper but uh for this season it's gonna be uh it can't get any worse and i still would be holding him in any leagues that i would own him i would expect uh to see see a positive uptick uh, over the next couple of weeks are you still in long term on cooper and what about this season i'm still in i still believe in cooper and, and believe in prescott but prescott uh, perhaps is most similar to someone like an Alex Smith, but with more physical ability, although Alex Smith's physical ability is is actually very significant and actually one of the underrated parts of, of why he is good. But you know, once you put that sort of smart, safe game manager-ish, if we can use that terminology, quarterback into an offense where you have absolutely no weapons and you have nothing dynamic in your scheme then there is is so much pressure on in there so hopefully cooper will help alleviate some of that certainly we've seen players go from systems that were just broken i mean you think of someone like robert woods who moved from uh, a situation with the buffalo bills i mean it's easy to forget that robert woods was an excellent college player there goes to the bills never does anything looks like not even so much a bust but just a very low level say number three number four type of of nfl wide receiver and then suddenly you're with the rams and looking like one of the better receivers in football the difference here is just that when you move from oakland to dallas it may be uh, an apples and apples situation where the biggest concern that people have with the cowboys uh, and you can ask does bryant about this although he is a very unreliable narrator in all things uh, but simply this scheme that they run and what they do um, in terms of play calling all of those types of things they they seem to be one of the least developed nfl teams so while woods got to go from the bills to the rams my concern for cooper is that he's really going from the raiders to just another version of the raiders yeah and you touched there on uh, you know the offense there's times this cowboys offense would re- remind me a little bit of the packers offense which as a packers fan i've often called uh, vanilla so I, I think um and you know when you, when you look at the cornerbacks uh, there's only one of those that i think can turn that vanilla into a, a nice tasty treat and that is uh, Aaron Rodgers so with uh, 
with the other part you mentioned is on the the game manager side with Prescott I think the Alex Smith one's interesting I think he's probably to me more like uh possibly a poor man's Cam Newton in terms of he has that athletic profile and has some tr- struggles then in terms of the the passing game so it's gonna be interesting though you know three years into his career to see how he he develops moving forward and I think uh certainly uh, it's going to be an interesting move for the Cowboys rest of the season I think the reason they probably pulled the trigger on this is if you look at that division um, really it is up in the air at this point for them to have an opportunity to to go and win it and make the playoffs so I think you know from that perspective uh, I have to give them credit for pushing those chips to the middle of the table so Sean before we just wrap up the show I want to mention again the Rotoviz live and the Rotoviz Patreon page obviously uh we've been doing the shows now for the last uh, kind of eight or nine weeks it's been a lot of fun doing them i did it this past week neil dutton jumped on with me for a little bit of time and blair andrews jumped on as well so we had a, a good three-way conversation and then myself and blair finished out the show so a lot of fun questions a lot of fun topics uh this week coming it will be dave cabin and anthony amico who are on the show i'm actually heading off to a u2 concert here uh, on saturday so uh, might be feeling the worst for wear on Sunday. So the two guys are taking the reins and you can join in at Rotoviz Live. It's our weekly show each Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern, help you get your lineup set. And for just $6 a month, you can gain all the access to that exclusive content, four shows per month. And of course, we do the podcast each and every week for free. And just to, to make sure that the reader, the listeners know what they're getting, right? I, I, I want to jump in for a second here and, and just confirm with you that they're going to be getting, again, the advanced stats with Dave Cabin. They're going to be getting things from his weekly explore. They're going to be getting video and subscribers get the opportunity to interact with that, with the hosts, get their questions answered directly. That kind of thing. Is that what uh, folks should be looking for when they subscribe to road of his live? Yeah. So it's the video version basically of everything we do here. But the fa- fascinating thing is like you mentioned with Dave and I suppose that we don't plug that enough. It's like we, we do the screen shares uh, from time to time and Dave obviously builds these apps and the way he breaks them down gives the definitions of what we can expect from the players from the apps and how he builds the app and how you can use it and i think that there's probably that's worth more than the admission price alone for just the the couple of segments we do where he does that so highly highly recommend checking it out and uh, in my opinion there, there's nobody better at the moment in the app game uh, for fantasy than uh, than dave cabin so uh, definitely check that out dave and anthony uh, will be doing it they'll get you set for your dfs your season long and uh, everything else in between so check that out you can sign up via the road of his patreon page that is patreon.com forward slash road of his and uh, of course don't forget as well about the opportunity to get yourself the 30 percent discount off the road of his nfl pass right now available through the road of his nfl podcast homepage that is road of his.com forward slash podcast so there's a couple of weeks gone but uh, sean mentioned last week about the uh, you know the, the drop in prices and you can still save that discount so great great value again that is rotoviz.com forward slash podcast so sean that's going to get us to the end of the show as we get ready for it's hard to believe week eight uh, it, it really is going in at an incredible pace it's it's it goes by faster and faster every year and you know you you mentioned it in the intro i'd like to bring it back as we finish here there's a lot of focus on the defensive penalties and that has played a role but i think it can be exaggerated to an extent i think that what we're seeing is we are seeing the benefit of not the quarterbacks being protected per se but the quarterbacks being healthy and then you have this new wave of coordinators you have older teams our teams with uh, an older coach like a bill belichick who constantly reevaluate and constantly innovate and so you're seeing 
one of the best NFL seasons and most innovative NFL seasons in a long time after 2017 was, it just simply wasn't that fun. I mean, it was NFL football. So, I mean, nothing to complain about, but 2018 has been a blast and, and hopefully it continues in the same vein. Yeah, hopefully it continues into this week. So, of course, best of luck to all of our listeners as they enter their week uh, week eight contest. And with that, it's going to do us for today's edition of the show. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime. And my co-host is Sean Siegel, who you can follow on Twitter at FF underscore Contrarian. And until we're back next week with another edition of the show, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. Remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran. Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.